Today's episode is brought to you by Creature Feature, a new comedy educational podcast from How Stuff Works. Hosted by Katie Golden, who is a former writer at Crack.com who studied evolutionary biology at Harvard and writes as a bird on Twitter. Find it on all the places you find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio app, and you know where podcasts go. Creature Feature. Check it out. This Saturday night at 8pm, Probably Science is going to be in San Francisco at Sketchfest. If you are in or anywhere near the Bay Area, come and see us. We will be doing a live show. We've got an amazing scientist guest. We're going to have some great comedian guests. It's the live Probably Science. You get to come up and say hi. It's at Cafe du Nord in San Francisco, 8pm. You can find it through sfsketchfest.com. Probably Science. Welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen. We're here. It's exciting. We've got Australia is confirmed. Let's get that out of the way right up front. Yes. We mentioned it a bit last week, but we've now visas have come through. Dates are semi-booked, but in the process of being fully booked. Uh, I I guess the one thing we should say is if you live in Australia, because we don't yet know all of the dates and all the cities we're necessarily going to be in, it would really help us if you do fill out that survey that we put at probablyscience.com slash survey. And let us give us your email address. Let us know which city you're in. And once we have everything confirmed, we will send out an email to you guys as well just to confirm where we're going to be. Cairns is definitely happening. That's the first stop. Yeah, Melbourne and Sydney will be happening, but we don't have specific dates confirmed yet. And we have the date confirmed for Cairns. We're going to be there Saturday, February 2nd uh, at 3 o'clock at the Cairns Dinner Theater. We don't have a ticket link up yet, but... um, Keep a look out on probablyscience.com. I will update the live appearances section of that with this info. And most likely the following weekend, probably around the 8th or 9th in Brisbane, and then um, between the 11th and 13th in Melbourne, and then the uh, Sydney. Yeah, and Melbourne possible- might be the 14th as well. I've got to talk to you about that. Oh, okay. But Melbourne is somewhere between the sort of 12th and the 14th. And then, yeah, Sydney will be earlier, a bit earlier than that. And we weren't going to do Perth, but now we have a possible way of doing Perth, thanks right. to a kind listener. So Perth may happen, but we're working on that. And apologies for being an order of magnitude off on the size of Perth. I don't know where I got that in my head that it was... Yeah, You're, you guys are a big city. I didn't mean to insult your uh, <laughs> your size. And you're a proud city. A proud big city. And you look great. We've got a guest. Yes. We've got a guest who is a comedian, writer, podcaster, radio host... Twitter person, <laughs> all sorts of things. Bridget Internet Fettersy, how phenomenon. are you? There we go. Hey, Bridget. Hi. How's it going? It's going so well. Uh, we we like to ask our guests this before we get deep into any kind of the stories. What, if anything, is your background in science? Mm, I don't have a background in science, but I do read a lot of science books that's and cool. psychology books, which is Science-ish. Whenever, <laughs> whenever we say it isn't, we get psychologists writing in and complaining. I have a whole line in one of my scripts about how it's like the the fight between a scientist and his sister. She's a psychologist, yep. and he's like, "It's not a real science. You can't you can't measure feelings." So, <laughs> so, psychologists get annoyed, and geographers get very upset when we. Well, I've made fun of geographers just because I had a fight with one on stage once, but. <laughs> but I do love like um, I, if I went back to school, uh, I dropped out. If I went back, I would definitely want 
I think, to get my degree in evolutionary biology. Okay. Just because I've written so much about sex and relationships, and that is, it always comes up constantly, and I love behavioral economics. That's another, I don't know if that's in the science realm, but I love the studies they do on people, like the Monopoly game study they did. Where oh, I don't know that study. They did this study with people where, I mean, essentially it's about privilege, but they 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 gave everybody, some people had, the game was rigged. They gave people a head start. They gave them more money. Everybody went into it knowing that the game was rigged, that the people that they were playing had, had more money and more turns. Uh-huh. And then they studied their behavior while they played the game and they put pretzels in the middle of the, of the, at a certain point they'd put a bowl of pretzels in and the people who were winning got increasingly bullyish and they were ta- eating the pretzels and they would take freely from the pretzels and the people who didn't start with as much. The pretzels were not in any way currency in the game. It was just no, it was just interesting to watch that they freely took from the pretzels bowl and they were eating them. And the, the dominant pe- ones. So once they realize that they are the people of privilege, they start to assume some of the traits of more of the traits of privilege and just naturally assume that they have more right to the snacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the most interesting thing was at the end, without fail, when they interviewed all the people who started with the extra turns and money, they said it was based on decisions they made and choices they had made in the game and never mentioned the fact that they started with a head start. So that was like the fascinating. That is really interesting. So so I think there's a whole TED talk on it. I'm uh I'm going to look this up cuz again presumably that buys into the idea of people with privilege assuming that they did it all themselves and didn't get any yeah, help. Yeah, exactly. The point on third thought he had a triple kind of thing. Exactly. I think that's the whole premise. So that that's that kind of stuff is interesting and I just read this book or I'm reading in the process of reading it's the history of the gene and that's fascinating. It's by the this um Indian scientist writer who wrote the book on um I think the history of cancer. But he did a whole it's like the history of how we discovered the gene and how genetics play and it so yeah, I like I'm into science, I guess. That's more science reading than I've done recently. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, evolutionary biology has come up a bunch of times in the podcast. And that also gets some blowback because some of those studies, or a lot of the studies, I think, are done on a narrow swath of the public because it's kind of like we we pulled some undergrads about what they would do in this sexual situation. And that's sort of like, well, you got 18 to 22-year-old people of a certain socioeconomic status and asked them, would you sleep with someone in this environment? And then yeah. extrapolated that to the entire population. Isn't that kind of true? Well, there's definitely some of those studies. There was the one um, Amy Parrish talked about when she was on our show. Um, Amy Parrish is a bonobo expert. And, oh, okay. Uh, and, and writes a lot about evolutionary biology. And how feminism. Da- yep. Oh. And, and talks about how there's definitely branches of evolutionary biology that find the animal to fit the behavior right. in humans that they want to justify rather right. than the other way around. So, for example, they talk about chimps and go like how chimps are uh, a patriarchal society, therefore we're inbuilt to be patriarchal. Right. But bonobos, who she studies, which she studies, which are exactly the same genetic distance from us as chimps are, uh, but don't get studied as much, partly because they're just rarer and in more diff- less accessible parts of the world. Mm-hmm. But bonobos are a matriarchal society mm-hmm. and and non-monogamous and do all these sorts of other things. So it's just sort of, 
it's the counter argument to using chimps to explain why right. humans behave this way. That's interesting. It, it th- those are it's funny with like sex, like you were saying, these kind of sex studies. Yeah. And as someone who's read millions of these now, I feel like we're doing all of the research and writing for the for Playboy and whatnot. It's all bullshit. I, I mean, I it's, say, I it's all self-reporting it. <laughs> you, because right. so much of it is all self-reporting, especially with so, and and it's it. I think that's exactly it, and a lot of it does a bad job of finding the reasons why people make these decisions. Right. And it's often the, the so the study that Andy was referencing, which Amy Parrish brought up in the episode we did with her, was I think it was something like they got basically up an undergraduate. It was you know a grad student or undergraduate, like a hot student guy to stand in the middle of the campus and basically proposition women to go home with him and then a hot student girl to proposition men to go home with him and then going like ah this show and then just deciding from that that this shows that men are more willing to have casual sex than women are Mm. we're going like well hang on a second that there's so many other factors in there firstly the risk of being in any way physically harmed right buys into that like counteracts any desire to have casual sex secondly the fact that this is in a public situation right and women who might well have exactly the same amount of desire to have casual sex as the men have the societal uh uh the shame thing shame yeah like people will see me go home with this uh with this guy and i will be shunned or i will my, my status my societal status will lower Whereas the opposite for men, so it's not an inbuilt genetic thing. In that case, it's the it's society pushing these roles on guys. Right. Uh, or it may be that guys want to have more casual sex than women, but you you can't tell that from this study. This study is trash. Is bullshit. Right. It's so hard. They did one on how long does sex last, and <laughs> how again. And they had the you know unless you're volunteering to be videotaped for these studies, which by the way is a very specific kind of person right. who would op- yeah. who would volunteer to do that. And even if you are if you are being even if you are being like agreed to be videotaped or even just wear a Fitbit or something like that that can somehow tell when you're fucking and can know you, you still behave differently when you know you're being recorded. Right. And they would re- rely on them to start the stopwatch. I guess it, I guess it was penetrative sex or how long that lasts. Right. And then when and end it when when the man orgasms, when the woman orgasms, how do you determine what the ending is? When you get tired, when you I mean, what's the go like, ah, let's just watch something. Yeah. <laughs> when you're like, yeah, let's let's watch summary. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of any way you could get a real I mean, if it was something that you just had in, in your house that measures the movement of the bed and you forget about it eventually or something. That's why all those Kinsey studies were pretty much over time just like debunked as, as yeah. just bullshit because of it was such a specific sector of people that he was choosing from. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, It's interesting. There was a great book that I read. And I cannot remember the name of it. It's like at play in the field of the minds, I want to say, M-I-N-D-S. Or it's all about, it's one of the guys who, uh, I think he discovered the gene or had some part in the sequencing of genes. And he talks about always in science to follow the money. Always. It's uh-huh. his memoir, but he talks a lot about, you know, who's funding the study. Always follow. He's basically the whole premise was like, follow the money. And every is, single study, follow the money. 
and that's also leading to the repeatability crisis now because people it's not as glamorous and money isn't being thrown at trying to replicate someone else's findings which is a huge part of what science is it's right. all about like a new study but especially with all these psychological studies working on um a psychology youtube show a couple of years ago uh we i consulted with peter mcgraw who we had on before and his sort of rule of thumb was the more surprising the results of a psychological study are the more likely it's bunk and it's going to be debunked so this show wanted to have all these like groundbreaking things like well if it's counterintuitive chances are it's not going to turn out to be true (laughs) i mean the messed up thing is that the most scientific access to psychological behavior is basically owned by all of these companies like google and Facebook and all of the companies oh. that are watching our trends and watching watching what we do and know us better than we know ourselves. Right. They have actual statistical the most data that is the most useful you, and they will not release it to anybody. Well, have you read, I haven't read it yet, but that book about big data sounds great. I keep meaning to, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Talking about? Like, mm, but just I'll analyzing read it. like our real selves, which is what we Google when, you know, right. aggregated data. I think there is well, that, a lot that's of That's a fair point because again, that does get away from you don't you're not thinking about the fact that you're being watched no. and recorded and you're behaving in a That's why they say there there was a whole article and I can't remember where I read it but it was saying you can say whatever you want about gender when you're online and being like a woke feminist but your searches will show your gender more than anything like your searches are stereotypical gender biased whether you realize it or not and it was saying, like, whatever you want to say about what you believe about gender, mm-hmm. you still behave like a stereotypical gender online. I did. I can't. I, I, this is Everybody Lies is the book that I keep meaning. Uh, to everybody Lies. Yeah. Big, big data. New, everybody new, Lies. Big data, new data, and what the internet can tell us about who we really are. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, and your phone knows you better than anyone. Yeah. Anyone. And it, you even know yourself because probably. you can... You can again lie about whatever you believe, and you're. Have you ever done an unconscious bias test? Yeah. Because I was, I did one, and I was ashamed by how. Oh yeah, you can't. As much as you're trying to like counter uh, when it like sh- briefly shows you someone's face, and yeah, or the or the there was one with race. There was one with I did one with it was with sex. It was with gender, and it was basically it had different. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how the test worked, but it was about, it was timing how quickly you took to yeah, click. Yeah. And it had things like women's names and men's names and jobs and, uh, and, and the jobs were sort of mixed between stereotypically more mm-hmm. male jobs or stereotypically more like leader boss kind of jobs and then stereotypically more female jobs. And, it was about and you had to depending on which round it was kind of go like all right if it's a female name and a male you had to click on different bits depending on what it was and you do click quicker when it is pairing up a male name or at least i did to my shame (laughs) with it with like if it was like manager or yeah and if and a female name you click quicker when it was paired with like secretary or something like that and it took an extra Second couple of milliseconds yeah. right. you know yeah. not not any time that you would notice if it was happening if you did it out loud but the computer notices because right. it's measuring in milliseconds right. and you go like oh there is a slight ex- <laughs> extra leap that my brain has to take to realize yeah. rather than instantly pairing the two the yeah. masculine job or the yeah the higher powered white collar yeah. job with a male name it is those unconscious bias tests are interesting although i did read something about why they're also bullshit too oh really What's yeah the like, take i can't that? remember it's something about how 
Um, it tricks you. I mean, there, there's like some reverse thing that happens now, too. And this was kind of... Uh, did you guys catch the whole thing this past week where the the woman um, on the radio was interviewing a guy and then it was really embarrassing. And then he she said, well, that's your white privilege. And then he ended up being black. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another way that you're. it's like making these assumptions because without jumping yeah. to this conclusion. So now I guess. Because of our uh, all of the diversity training, everybody's jumping Going to other opposite conclusions. Right, right, right. Yeah, it is funny how we're supposed to be ashamed of. Like, I think everyone should be given the benefit of like, well, we're all trying to counter these things that are innate in us, but don't act like there still aren't innate things in us that right. we have to consciously try to fight. You and know? you're obviously, I, I. This is always why I'm interested in evolutionary biology because. I just don't think you can outthink thousands of years of biology right. in one generation of gender studies. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. There's I mean, no you could, be, you could be consciously trying to be nice to people and to you know, do what they would like you to do but like, you know, everyone should give each other the benefit of that if your heart's Which in the right place. Which doesn't happen. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's the that's my biggest gripe with the internet culture and social media is that the lack of generosity that we're, we have for one another, we're just assuming the worst. And I think C.S. Lewis had a great quote and I would I will butcher it because he's so eloquent, but he said something about when you see something, I mean, the Covington boys are a great example of this. When you see something that that reinforces your bias about somebody or your hatred for somebody and then you find out that that might be wrong do you double down on that or do you step back and say oh these people aren't as bad as i thought they were to be and if you double down it just we end up in a world where everyone's essentially filled with hatred yeah, yeah. and that's what i worry about with I the too yeah yeah I'm not defending those boys, but uh, I I know it's a. It's I'm a, not defending it's them either. I'm saying right it's. Now, I know. I'm not. I'm not. It's I, a case of a mob that that acted very quickly and with extreme results. But uh, yeah, I'm not by any means. I'm just saying that there have been a lot of retractions since. Yeah. The yeah. Initial... That was an interesting nuanced story because the truth. Oh my like, god! The, I started watching the full video. It's such a train wreck from the start. <laughs> Every part of that video is crazy. But then Holy there's also shit. more and more stuff about those kids, like. Uh, like other footage has come out of them basically chanting. No, oh, that's God. not. That's been debunked. Has that's, that <laughs> nope. That's been a, the worst time. That's a picture from 2011, and it's a blackout game. So. Wait, 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 wait! No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like some. There was a, uh, some other people ran into those kids oh. earlier on in the day, and there was a, there was a video. They posted a short video of those kids like shouting. Oh, okay. uh, I don't even. Nope, care. that's also been debunked. Apparently, that really? kid wasn't from Covington, and like they're down in the thread. Are you talking about the kids that were like, "It's not rape unless you're if you no, like no, no. it"? Oh, okay. There's another video. Holy, okay. <laughs> I think Peak 2019 is watching that full two-hour uh, vertically shot video that starts with that subset of uh, Judaism that believes that black Americans are direct descendants from Israel. Have you watched the beginning part? Yeah, parts where of they're it. yelling at they're Native bigot- Americans. They're bigoted. Because, well, everyone in it is, has their own weird prejudices. No, they were yelling that like, gays shouldn't have rights. No, the very beginning. Yeah, is yeah, no, 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 the black, black Israelites, Israelites like, yes, you're talking about, at, and those are terrible people, and they're like but yelling see, out. Here's what is is but here's what's interesting to me, though, is that we, what is interesting to me is that those kids got doxxed 
the, the yeah. and, and they can't go to school. Their school's shut down today. And nobody in the black Israelite, we don't know any of their names. We don't know any. Was, yeah. They haven't been doxxed. Right. Why haven't they been doxxed? And they were speaking like they are actually. For context, they were yelling at Native Americans because they said that they caused uh, they caused white Americans to overtake <laughs> them because they believed in multiple gods instead of the one true God, Yahweh, who they are directly descended from. I just from. think like Peak 19 is one single Native American standing between a group of blacks and whites yelling at each other. <laughs> It's, like that is to me just America in a nutshell right now. It just seems so like, and just one Native American with a drum. Like what is happening? It's crazy. What is happening? It's so crazy. It's so crazy. And it is a train wreck, the whole thing. The whole, yeah, there's no winners in any of this. I mean, I said on Twitter today, I was like, just please spare me your fake bullshit, like your fake bullshit about how you care about the children. You care about the children insofar as they fit your na- narrative. That's like both right. sides. Yeah. All yeah. of you guys are guilty of this. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. Also, I just handed you my copy of the John Ronson. So you've been publicly shamed. And after you read that, you sort of are like, what? Maybe uh, even if these kids are shitheads, maybe we can all sit this one out online and just. They're still kids. You know, can you imagine the shit that you would have been shamed for? Like if you, if I I would constant, I'm not anywhere near what they are. um, But yeah, I I get that we have, we've all made mistakes, but yeah, I don't want to, I don't want this podcast to come out as us in any way endorsing those kids. No, no, no. It's such a fucking third rail right now. Yeah. (laughs) They are definitely shitheads. Um, but what, and, their, the and their chaperones were definitely incompetent slash actively Wait, wrong. So they were there with like oh, yeah. school of oh, Jesus Christ. I, I mean Yahweh or whatever. Yeah, and they, and they were there to like the the, re- the main reason they were there was to shout of, against abortion. Right. Uh, it's such a anyway. Let's anyway, get on to anyway. Some non- uh, fraught topics. Uh, should we just jump into the most emailed story of the last six months, probably to us? Is that too puerile to start off with? I uh, What's the, we don't is, have to. No, I, I I think yeah, this is a very mature and so if this is the topic, the story I think you're talking a little about, little bit of self medicine, little a groundbreaking, um, the Edward Jenner of his time of of the 21st century. Yeah, I I'd Do you say know, so. Not know the one I'm talking about. No, I know exactly the one you're talking about. I'm just trying to. The gr- find the exact link and also yeah i think this is pioneer i would call this man i would say look it didn't work but if it had it if it had wor- imagine if it had how we would there would be monuments to this man um i would be making we would all have a great way of earning some extra half the population would have a great way of earning some side cash yeah Right many now. many people sent this story in. I don't Including even know how many. Paul Bancroft, uh, Julian Alberto, Justin Broad. Just, I'm sure many more tweeted it. For at us. some reason, for some reason, you thought this would be a story that we would want to cover. Don't Ma- know why. Man hospitalized after injecting semen into his own arm to secure his severe sudden onset back pain. Did he die? I don't believe he died. Oh no. An, an Irish man's plan to treat his chronic back pain by injecting his own semen directly into his arm has ended with him being hospitalized with a large abscess. Ew. A case study published in the Irish Medical Journal says the man sought medical attention after complaining of severe sudden onset lower back pain after lifting a heavy steel object three days prior, but later revealed his back pain had been much more long-standing. During a physical exam, doctors also noticed his arm was red and swollen. At this point, the man revealed his homespun back pain remedy injecting the semen into his own arm once a month for 18 months using a hypodermic needle he bought online. A needle! 
I don't think needle. I believe he was using the same needle as well. I don't I don't know why I find that the most horrifying part of the story. Oh, you it, do? I don't. That's not the most horrifying part by far to me. <laughs> I wonder if it was like This is like was he hoping it was like stem cell? Like that seems like the logical, like, the most logical reason he would have thought. You know, they do, do those back therapies where they spin the blood and get the stems. I don't know. I'm yeah, not a no, scientist. I could <laughs> see his logic being like, "This is my most, uh, the purest Potent and most untainted version of me." Or this is my life <laughs> yeah, force. This is <laughs> but I wonder if it was like on the first of the month. It's like pay rent, <laughs> jizz in a syringe. Is he doing it like really that regularly, or is it just like 18 times total over 18 well, months? Also, on this occasion, he revealed to the doctor he had injected three doses at once. Doses are in quotes there, as sort of implying that these aren't real doses. I don't know why. That's very why judge- is that a- very <laughs> judgmental of you there, abcnet.net.au. Well, and what's a dose? Maybe that's why it's in quotes. Yeah. Like, do- like what exactly is? It's like a the dose sub editor consistent. changed it from loads. <laughs> Um, he injected it three doses at once into both his blood and his muscle x-rays on the affected area revealed subcutaneous emphysema where gas or air is trapped under the skin and the man was immediately commenced on intravenous antimicrobial treatments but when his back pain eased he discharged himself from hospital I don't think you can use the word discharge in this episode (laughs) without draining the affected area the IMJ said the man was operating independent of any medical advice. Wait, what's this? Yeah, yeah. Why okay. did we need to say that? Sorry, I shouldn't have said that just as you were taking a sip of your drink. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it was, he was operating independent of any medical advice and it searched for any pri- prior reference to using semen as a treatment for back pain, be it medical or anecdotal, came up empty. Mm. He is... A groundbreaker, a true groundbreaker. Very He's much a pioneer. so. Although there is report, apparently, of the effects of subcutaneous semen injection into rats and rabbits, there were no cases of intravenous semen injection into humans found across the literature. It doesn't say in here what subcutaneous semen into rabbits does. Yeah. It seems like something they should have included. Even a search of more eclectic internet sites and forums. I've been to some eclectic (laughs) internet sites. Have you guys been to eclectic internet sites? So have I. And just like the people in this article, I have found no other documentation of semen injection for back pain treatment or other uses. Eclectic. The IMJ recommended against such practices. Thank you. What we needed that recommendation, or otherwise there would be a rash of people. (laughs) What's wrong with is everyone is everyone losing it? Just Irish people. Can this, we say that? Is that a group we can malign on this podcast? I'm Irish and I'll take it. Uh, I, I, I think it makes sense to me that I'm English Irish. and we very much can't. So uh, <laughs> it, it says, while, it, while it's the first ever described case of intravascular semen injection and associated abscesses in the medical literature, its lessons can be applied on a broader scale, says the study. The what dan- larger scale? Here we go. The dangers of venipuncture when carried out by the untrained layperson, are highlighted, as well as the vascular and soft tissue hazards surrounding the attempted injection of substances not intended for intravenous use. Yeah, you don't need to... You just need to know a few heroin addicts to know that. This is not something... Don't inject anything into yourself? That's a pretty safe... Well, it says the case also demonstrates the risks involved with medical experimentation prior to extensive clinical research in the form of phase trials inclusive of safety and efficacy assessments. I think, like... That's a really fancy way of saying, leave the medicine to us, guys. Yeah, yeah. Leave the... Pretty much common sense. um, Don't inject things into yourself or others. 
ever. I guess diabetics. There is one thing. I Darwin Award. I say you can absolutely inject things into yourself if it has been trialed and proved and in some way tested. And and isn't and if it, you've been taught how to use the needle, did he accidentally inject it into blood and muscle, or did he find a vein sometimes and then just like? Well, the main line is the, jizz. Well, the fact that <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, the fact that it says muscle, because yeah, because normally that injections are one or the other, right? Yeah. Normally, like injections either go into yeah, your yeah, yeah, yeah. Like steroids like, go into your muscle, right? Yeah, most and, vaccines go either and things like that go either into the muscle or just subcutaneous. They don't go into a vein, right? Whereas I think if you're injecting drugs, they f- try and find a vein. He literally was like trying to. Yeah, I just pictured like a Guy Ritchie montage where like it just fast cuts of like jizz going into vein and pupils dilating and then he suddenly has like <laughs> statham like, power or something. Like toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did we miss that for so long? That was just sitting there. <laughs> this is an acute case of toxic masculinity. <laughs> Localized to the arm. Excuse me, nurse. I've got me a bit of the toxic masculinity. All right. <laughs> What's wrong with such an accurate Irish accent? I'm sorry if I'm good at accents. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I still want to know what in any way he thought, what, like what the mechanism is. I think the the stem cell thing. Think, I'm not trying to say anything's logical, but like I could see him. But, being I mean, like, but there this must is... be some. You're not. It obviously isn't logical, but there must be some internal logic to his thought process. No one interviewed this guy about. Well, this? he did a runner from the hospital, so. Yeah, he didn't even drain the abscess. But he just got discharged as soon as the back pain. By the way, they did say when his back pain eased, he discharged himself. So his back pain went away. Are we sure this didn't? Probably because they gave him like meds when he was. And also because back pain is a thing that comes and goes. Well, yeah. and generally when you go to the hospital with back pain, they'll give you a bunch of opioids. That's how they treat it. And right. then when you feel better, they'll let you go. That's why people always fake back pain to get drugs. Right. I guess you can't really quantify or you can't put a back pain meter up to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get the flip side, which is really because pain is unquantifiable or untestable rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's un- And all relative. Yeah, absolutely. Then you get the flip side where people, particularly certain communities of people, get falsely accused of faking pain to get opioids right and then they miss serious stuff in hospitals and don't right. get it yeah <laughs> and don't get enough yeah either don't get enough pain treatment or in some cases miss really serious medical things because right. they're like no this really i'm experiencing this serious pain right now there was a symptom of some bigger problem that should have been yeah and they're like he's it. faking it because yeah. he's just trying to get some some fancy heroin yeah he's trying to get some oxys yeah <laughs> have you guys tried cbd for any pains yet um, uh, I haven't. You haven't? It. I actually. I had some back pain for a bit, and it it surprisingly worked better than than like you know Tylenol. So uh, was it just whatever. pure CBD, or did it have THC in it? Because generally, I as I understand it, and I'm not 100 percent sure about this. I've been trying to figure out the truth that. CBD needs THC to be activated. That is my understanding as well. Like oh. in in small small, I've been told that yeah, pure CBD is like is, placebo is less of, or is certainly <laughs> very less effective than like a one to ten ratio. Right. Uh, well, I guess I I can admit this in the podcast. It's legal in this state. Um, no, I someone I asked online. I was like, this is just unbearable to see if have advice, and someone's like. 
pot and I, you know, I tried some just regular THC. I was like, that doesn't just feel high. It doesn't ease the pain. And then I tried like an 8% CB, 2% THC. Okay. Yeah. So I did have, so I, right. I did a little controlled experiment. I was like, that actually, I don't feel high at all. And my back pain is a lot. So better. that is, yeah. that's a one to five ratio. Something like that. Maybe I'm one to four ratio. It was definitely a much higher ratio of CBD and a pretty low. Yep. THC and uh, and my dad even started taking some CBD oil, which I never thought would happen. But then when he told me that, that he was like so making sure it was clear. This is not the cut. No psycho no psychoactive effects. I'm like, Dad, I don't care. I'm not just like you found something that works. I'm glad yeah, you don't yeah. have to like explain that it's not. Pot. Yeah, who cares? There was a whole book, and again, I cannot remember the name. It might just be weed, but there, it was a it was a book about how if we did the amount of studying science and put the amount of money into other herbs as we did herb. Yeah. We would, what are the benefits of all of these other weeds essentially that we've just kind of looked over? Yeah. I'm no fan of like pseudoscience and that's whenever I get in a fight with someone who's like a proponent of some non-traditional medicine, I'm like, no, it's not that I'm against any of these other things possibly being medicines. It's just like, if they are, they'll work consistently and you can do a controlled study of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the problem when it comes to any kind of cannabis products is that until very recently in the US, it's been extremely hard to do any kind of studies because of the restrictions on it. Right. And now the fact that it's legalized in Canada and sort of in this weird pseudo-legal state in half of America... it's I, so weird. It's so I still don't. I still don't understand how legally this works. Where it is decriminalized in or in various states, but still illegal at the federal level. So I don't. I really don't. Well, and in terms of like banking and everything, yeah, it makes it impossible. Is, so right, now because every banking system is federal, federal so they can't open bank accounts. So you have this legal business in, on the streets of LA that you can just walk into off the street. But, but could they have be like shut a, down literally any minute shut by down, the feds. Yeah, it could be raided by the feds at any point, and they and you have to pay cash because yeah they can't open a bank. Any- Although they're now that big, um, now that the Wall Street has started investing because they there are they're creating. I mean, it's going to change the banking system. They're creating their own banks, essentially. To work around the that makes sense. Yeah, the the federal problems, and I think. It it's a it's I have issues with it. It is one of those like privilege things. I always see these like white girls on Instagram, and they're like, "Look at our weed!" And it, everybody's behaving like a twelve year old who just smoked weed for the first time. <laughs> and meanwhile, people are in jail, rotting in yeah. like life sentences, and it drives me insane. It's, it's yeah, crazy. and and the rules that come in as well when it gets legalized in certain states, where like you can now run a weed business unless you have any kind of conviction, such as one for weed. So all the yeah, sort of- that's <laughs> insane too. So. And that always ends, that largely ends up being sort of the minority right. communities as well, where you're like, oh, okay, so now like the black people who got arrested for weed because they were in the kind of areas where police will just round up people smoking weed can't now profit from it now it is right. now it's legal whereas the sort of fancy middle class pe- people who had white people who had the weed dr- smoked in, in exactly the same numbers but weren't in areas Were where their the police clients, rounded clients basically yeah. Yeah, exactly. like you would think these these guys are better at the business <laughs> and now they get to exactly and now they reap the benefits of the law and i i know somebody in colorado who has uh who a pretty big grow operation and everything's legal on the up and up state wise but still he has to 
have guns and shit because he's carrying tons of cash because he can't bank. But so you're like, legally still... not supposed to have, I don't know what the laws are there, but generally the laws are you cannot have guns when you're growing weed. Well, he has to have guns in the car when he's transporting large amounts of cash right. in case he gets robbed. It's just like the whole thing is like right. this half, you're this half outlaw. It's weird. Still... It's like still a black market. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's I'm... like a completely up, it's a completely fully functioning black market. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> it's so weird. So yeah. Like, with all the shows that are cropping up that are like workplace comedies in a dispensary. I'm, I'm writing one. Like, you are I really, wrote one, yeah. And isn't I'm, that too late? Haven't they already come? No, because it's not things? about the dispensary. It's about I worked on farms for years. Oh, so yeah. And I've yet to see anybody do a show about the growth the actual scene. Grow. Well, yeah. yeah, I was going to say that. And then I'll, if you can also like talk about this like almost narcos level weirdness of like the people who have to like transport things. But even just how it's changed for my friends who were in the scene before it was a scene. Uh-huh. Like it, it, it's, you know, again, I, I guess I can, uh, I don't even know if I should talk about it, but poor it, man's trademark is saying it now. So no one can No, but I just don't, I don't want someone coming to me and being like, who are these people? Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Um, it's, but it has changed over the years. So in California, it's been a scene forever. You know, there's yeah. there were, like in Northern California, people were doing this. There are like old grow families that are multi-generational. Oh, and, I couldn't believe. And now yeah. their kids are getting into the legal wreck and all of the, and they're starting their grows like on the up and up. But they come from these like they're like third generation growers. Yeah. And it's interesting to see how it has big weed like destroyed these small little families that grew weed i couldn't believe i picked up somebody in the early days of um or i guess it doesn't exist anymore there was something that was kind of like a pre-uber lift thing called ride joy that was more like airbnb for road trips i was driving up from la oh yeah 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 and you could just get someone who like give you like i remember this Mm -hmm. coming back i picked someone up in i think eureka is that in humble yeah yeah it's like the story she told me yeah i couldn't believe all the like Payoffs to the troopers and how many billions? Of, like everybody in that town, everybody. That was whole town that burned paradise was a weed to, town. Really? Yeah, it was a whole. I mean, nobody talked about this. The reason there were so many people missing was because it was trim season. I'm like, it was trim season oh, shit. when the fire. So they had no idea how many people were actually in the Just town. Temporary workers. Yeah, trimigrants, and nobody, <laughs> nobody. That's the name of my show, and nobody uh. even like talked. To, no one even brought it up. I didn't see a single I report never heard on the it. word pot brought up in that in the fires no it's a wow. it's a like my friends and i were like we know this town it's a it's like Crazy. a yeah it's in the it's northern california weed town yeah i didn't know how prevalent i knew it was big but i didn't know it was like everybody is working in something that's at least ancillary to that industry if not in the industry oh everybody in all of jefferson county as they call it have you guys ever heard of jefferson county well, i know about the state of it's jefferson super yeah the state, <laughs> exactly. the, the state like of jefferson exactly it's super racist that's like the most but now it's this weird mix of weed bros and like rednecks it's uh-huh. like and essentially, it's the golden triangle where they're all growing weed and they all want to like secede. But all those towns, every everybody up there is in in whether you're supplying fertilizer, whether you're supplying um, scissors, tents. It's it, all of those towns benefit from that industry and have for decades. Uh-huh. Well, you know, um, probably for now, at least is not a good place to try and grow weed or any other plant. Where is that? The moon. The moon. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah we're, we're behind the we're behind on these moon stories. There was some moon news in the last. Yeah, there was. Last week we did other space stories and we neglected this one, which happened around the same time, just as the flyby was happening. Around the same time, China landed on the dark side of the moon. Oh, or the far side of the moon. Far side is no darks. We know that, right? Yeah, Yeah, sure. Uh, And so China grew, grew, and and then they they grew some cotton. They did? Yeah, that was that. that. They landed on the moon on the far side, and then they grew a cotton plant, and then it died. But... You know, good for China. Yeah, <laughs> it's pictured like a Shel Silverstein book. Kind here's, of. This here's a picture little... of it right there. Is this all fake? Cotton on the moon, like our like. moon landing. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love conspiracy theories so much. That's one of my favorites. Oh yeah. God! I heard one speaking of weed, and I, I know I'm derailing us just for a second, but that the weed industry bailed out the banks in 2008. <laughs> What's a, the logic behind that? They had cash, and so they like bailed that. They, they, and that they, was their way of like laundering it. I don't know. I love people thinking that that that's what that's what banks needed was literally cash. truckloads of stacks of bills. Twenties, like, yeah, remote. always twenties. We're running out of physical money. Um, yeah, so they. I do have a real soft spot for conspiracy theorists. I really. I, 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 and I and and it's bad and they and they in some cases dangerous and harmful <laughs> like for example and few people sent in this story the fact that the anti-vaccine movement has been added to one of the this year by the World Health Organization to their list of 10 world dangers biggest threats to biggest the threats health of the world yeah and the, you know which diseases that were on the brink of being completely eliminated are coming back yeah Communities. there's a big measles outbreak in portland right now right yeah at the uh at what what do they call the place moda center where the blazers play right some guy went with the with the measles <sighs> come on portland and Jesus just yes yeah. yeah but it's all these hippies who aren't vaccinating their kids and so from that point of view conspiracy theorists and that and pseudoscience is dangerous and bad and i think as a <laughs> science-based podcast we should condemn it God, I love listening to someone who's full of shit talking <laughs> yeah. earnestly about things. It's I love it. I, I, I can't get enough. When someone, I mean, for too long, as long as you've got an escape, you don't want to be stuck next to it for a long-haul flight, but a short-haul flight, absolutely. Have you heard Rogan go off about, like, the flat earthers? No. Oh, God. He, he His whole, like, fetish is the flat earthers. And he but just, I think they're trolls, right? I think it's a joke. No, uh, I, no I, think, these, I, think the, no, I think the originals no. were trolls. I think if the people who started it way, way back were trolls okay. and just enjoyed it for the argument because the guy who was like the founder of the Flat Earth Society I, was known to have just done it because he was good at arguing it's it and he'd win these do, debates because he's... Because he's ad pra- hoc... Like, if you and have also, this thing, I'll make up a thing for that. And also and- because he was practiced at the debate and, and people would go in unprepared because like, well, this is ludicrous. I'm basically in a boxing match against a fly and then it turns <laughs> out the fly has actually been really training hard. So it, it's... Um, so he would win these arguments and he was like a sport. But I think now there are people who it's spread to the point and there's so much bullshit out there and so much confusing non-fact facts that there are people who genuinely believe it. Yeah. But well, I mean, I guess could we like have some kind of birthright thing where we all chip in for one of those trips where you keep traveling east in a plane and you eventually yeah. get back to where you... Which go. I literally did. <laughs> like yeah. recently, I did that over Christmas. I started in LA yeah. and then went Australia to Singapore to London to yeah. LA. So you've proven. I've you've done proven this it. too. Yeah. But but if you ask them, all I actually did was did a circle around a disc. <laughs> I know. 
Oh, okay. But see, that, okay, that's yeah. The argument too is like how do, how would any of these planes fly? You need to base it on the fact that we are on a on like a globe, not on a flat desk. Oh, no, oh Bridget, I, I Bridget, how? <laughs> no, I, oh, I, you I, naive young thing. In defense of flat earthers, I don't think that is a proof of the roundness of Earth. I think you could have a version of their flat Earth where a plane could still work. It doesn't rely on roundness, right? But but the path, the flight, the flight path, you have paths to take. Do. Especially when you have but to I'm go saying north. Matt's thing about I could do an argument where you're you're doing a, you are doing a circle around that disc because you wouldn't be able to perceive. No, because slight... you have to go farther north to get shorter flight times because yeah. it's smaller well, go, at the top. The thing that the thing that I think would be that I I'm sure there is some bullshit justification for, but the fact that it is around the world trip takes the same amount of time whether you're going east west slash west east give or take minus a small difference from prevailing winds. Or north south, like if you go north round the world that way, which no planes do, so you couldn't charter what you get to charter yeah, one to you get would. somebody to li- listen to you on slash that diagonally across, like kind of south southeast to northwest or northwest and to southeast. Even south if you east. go north to south, you'd just be going straight theoretically if there was just a flat, but you but have it, to account for the. But if it's on a disc, it would take different amounts of time to go round the world <laughs> in these different at the, in these different orientations. Yeah, it wouldn't be a flat line. It would. You have to account for going Because on the one hand, the you're curve. doing a circumference of the disc and exactly. the other one, you're doing a diameter of the disc. But they would just argue that the disc is uh, is a different shape from what you're saying or that the pilot is like faking the airspeed. Can to, we like, find one and have it on yeah now i want to now i want to be a flat earther because it is fun to try to like argue against <laughs> yeah you see i can yeah. see why the appeal i but- want somebody to do study on the appeal of snark and this of being a troll because there is i get i i get off on it all Me the too. time on my yeah. twitter i there is an appealing like just riling i used to always say when i was growing up like why do i love being annoying it just it just yeah. Well, my parents so fucking, I was joy. so awful as a kid. I was I just so like annoying. Yeah, yeah. I was just annoying. And I get it. I also, I like posting a joke, which in my head is obviously a joke, but a few people take seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And, go, sh- and people go, oh, actually, it's, actually, oh, bless you. <laughs> my my sister and I, oh, we used to talk like this <laughs> for hours. And it was, You're sucking in air and you're yeah. talking like this to make it sound like that. And it would drive my mom insane. And we, and when my sister got older, she had a son, um, pretty young. She and he, so she was like a really funny young mom. And she's like, you know what I learned? Being annoying is genetic. <laughs> because my nephew was in the in the grocery store with her, and he was just reading all of the labels of the cans, and he was like, "Chicken and stars, chicken and stars, chicken and stars." <laughs> like the whole way down the aisle, and she said he was driving everyone in the aisle crazy, and she was just dying laughing. She's like, "This That's is my, my son." Yeah. 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 Once once you realize you're getting somebody's goat, it's like it's really fun to just keep going. But yeah, what I'm saying is if there's a scientist out there who wants to study why we love defending conspiracy theories or snark or being annoying, hit hit me up. (laughs) Do flat earthers think we're all we're always on one side of the disc or there's some that think that map the map wraps around and there's another side is like where Africa is? I don't know. I went through a phase of looking up some of the flat earth theories and they are. They're fascinating because they really have gone through and yeah. at least try to justify in some way or another. Like gravity is the fact that the disc is moving perpendicular to its surface 
it is accelerating constantly. So that acceleration accounts for us being pushed down, like, which would work. I mean, that would account that you could, I, I don't know where the force of constant acceleration of this disc would come from, but that could make it feel like you're being pressed down with some force that's like gravity. I would, I, I was reading some of the comments on Joe's, he had my friend Barry Weiss on yesterday and somebody commented like, oh, Barry got Joe to admit the moon landing was real or something. And I was like, does Joe think the moon landing was fake? Now I have to go listen to the podcast. But what does he, he, he believes that like, um, psychedelic mushrooms are spores are alien life from outer space. Right. Kind of. Does he? I thought maybe he, he has, has some stuff. He has some like, like weird conspiracies. Yeah. I think that I kind of love. <laughs> I love watching um, Kirk Cameron. This is a while ago. It's probably more than 10 years ago now. Kirk Cameron had this sidekick in his uh, evangelical thing, and they would go up to people in the street and ask them about how evolution works, uh, and they would beat them in arguments because the average person in the street is dumb oh and doesn't my God. actually understand how evolution works. Did you guys see the vir- the video? I don't know if it's viral. It was. I think it was the people from Jersey, uh, that Jersey Shore, and it's maybe the reboot. I don't know. It's something, but... It's them discussing, like, who came first, Adam and Eve, and did Moses part the seas, and Jesus. It yeah. is maybe the most quotable video I've ever seen. Nice. And they knew nothing. Like, these people yeah. knew nothing. So it doesn't surprise me that the average person... Can't it, explain the mechanisms that make evolution work, or, yeah, it's... That's just proving that most people forgot everything after eighth That grade. was like that one video that went viral this year where they asked people to name another country oh my god to point to a country to correctly name a country on a map and no one could do it not even their own country yeah Yeah. it was like dozens of people but it does people do panic when you just shove a camera and a microphone in their face people just freeze yeah but you'd still be able to name a country (laughs) (laughs) so all this was leading up to china did plant or started growing Cotton seeds. Weed on the moon. <laughs> Start a conspiracy theory. Um, yeah, they, they brought it aboard China's Chang'e 4 mission. And when those sprouted, it marked the first time plants have grown on the lunar surface. Huh. Um, they're not in contact with the lunar surface, as you might imagine. Uh, the, the cotton, potato seeds, yeast, and fruit fly eggs are instead tucked inside a sealed, self-sustained biosphere that provides a necessary climate and nourishment. And there's a follow-up to this story, by the way. This is already outdated. This is from uh, four days ago. The plant is dead. <laughs> yeah, well, spoiler alert. <laughs> We'd already said it earlier on in this episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, even though it's already dead, they did represent a significant milestone. Uh, it suggests the astronauts will have a realistic chance of growing plants on missions to use for food, oil, and other resources. Although, again, plants are dead. Wait, how did it die? Uh, let me skip Murder. over that story. <laughs> 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 Foul play is suspected. Uh, China's moon plants are dead. <laughs> also, follow up from space.com. The moon is a lifeless world once again. We knew that. <laughs> the cotton Thanks. plants that sprout out of the moon's far side are dead, done in by the bitter cold of the lengthy lunar night. So, wait, they were in this little biosphere mm-hmm. and they died in the biosphere, or did they just take it out and see if they could survive in the wild? I guess it was just they were encased in a 5.7 ounce canister. Um, which touched down on the lunar far side uh, back on January 2nd. Da, 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 da. Um, low gravity, high radiation levels, extreme temperature swings were things it had to deal with, and it was able to handle those harsh conditions at least, at least initially, um, but apparently it doesn't have a battery-powered heater, 
So the onset of Lunar Night over the weekend spelled doom for the Cotton Sprouts. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that, that baffles me. How would you... How would you not have a heater? That's, I have a heater. <laughs> I, know. I don't have any kind of equipment that can reach the moon and or germinate a plant on the moon. I mean, why would but they, I own a heater. Why wouldn't they use... A, is it an RTG? Um, radioactive thermonuclear well, generator that... That j- that's that's all those are is just a thing that puts off enough heat they can then convert that to electricity but, to power or just any electrical equipment just anything that's so it would have lived I mean theoretically maybe if, if it's just the cold of the lunar night that killed it the cold possi- of the lunar oh, night that's the one thing they have like stats my on my heart <laughs> what's that <laughs> Oh, but also yeah, wait, the I'm cold sorry. of the lunar night. Also, it does feel a bit like a Bonnie Tyler lyric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just feels like an emo poem. <laughs> hey, I want to go to like a spoken word. But wait, a, a my heart is like the cold of the lunar night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No cotton grows there. <laughs> oh, but day and day and night last day and night are two weeks long each. That makes sense. Yeah, so it's a two week long night. My heart is dark for two weeks. <laughs> No light reaches it. <laughs> of course, its rotational period matches the orbital period because it's in tidal lock with us. That's why we're always seeing one side of it. So, yeah. I'm in tidal lock with it. <laughs> <laughs> Two-week lunar night is too long. Happy super I red ro- wolf moon, by the way, guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you I watch rotate, it? But yeah. You rotate with me. <laughs> I turn away and you stay the same. <laughs> I, um, I forgot that the eclipse in the... S- mm-hmm. Super blood wolf, moon. wolf blood moon was happening until I was walking to a gig. I I had a show in Redondo Beach, and I had to walk through this weird sort of uh, apartment estate kind of thing, mm-hmm. and with grass areas in the middle, and people were just sitting on the grass and looking at the sky, <laughs> and it looked terrifying until I remembered that there was an eclipse on. I yeah. always think about that, what it must have been like for people before they knew what was happening. You, I'm sure it was like, sacrifice a virgin! Yeah. <laughs> the moon is going dark! But what the, is happening? I, I bet for solar eclipses, but lunar eclipses, you get a version of of one about every year. So I bet people got It's still to those weird, pretty, though. It is weird. It is weird. But I mean, like, you know, Mayans and shit, that's been a long time. People have been pretty good at watching nothing else to do at night back then all you do is look at the sky and like track but until anomalies. you get to the point that you can predict it yeah yeah it's still very strange i'm sure people have died because of that. I, do you reckon, I, oh definitely yeah do you think you would if you had enough time be able to work out how to work out when an eclipse is happening Oh man! In my lifetime, I- like let's say, let's say I drop, let's say like you you shipwrecked on an island with some people who have not yet discovered <laughs> the basis of astronomy, and you're to- gonna you're gonna use your knowledge of lunar eclipses to become their king. <laughs> it would have. I would just. It, it could only be after years of just tracking, writing down what happens in the night sky every night. But like, I can't even tell you right now how far out of. Because obviously, if the moon were, lo- if its orbit was in the same plane as our orbit on the sun, then every full moon would be a lunar eclipse, and it's not. Right, you'd have and I to can't know tell you how far off. I-, I should know that maybe how far off its but orbital d- but plane you is do from our know, orbital plane. You know geometry. You learned that at school, uh-huh. and you know, you know the positions and the orbits of the planets in the moon, uh, and so you do know the thing that causes a lunar eclipse. I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to work out how long it would work. It would take would, me if I sat die. down with a pen and paper. 
I'd need a couple. I reckon you would die before you figured it out. I think I could do it. I don't think so. Okay, you would have to know because it's like every single one of these are like this won't happen for another ten years. No, lunar eclipses happen quite often. Yeah, it's it's that it won't be. It's also a supermoon, which means it's at its closest point in its orbit to us. And the wolf part just means it happened no, in January. No, it's January. Which is yeah, yeah. Stupid. No, I understand, but it's still they happen a, a lot. But I don't know the that blood they're... moons, but not necessarily a super blood moon, which would be mean it's also at its closest point in its orbit to us. But even lunar eclipses, how often about do they happen? About once a year. But in every hemisphere, you can yeah. only you can... yeah. That's the one thing that's consistent. You I would... mean, if you're if, if it's nighttime, yeah. Solar eclipses you, are yeah. rare, but lunar eclipses are pretty common. And so, particularly partial lunar eclipses, which is all you need to become king. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Now I'm trying to think of why. Oh, because we're so much bigger than the moon. We can eclipse. It can only right. eclipse part of our surface as it goes between us and the sun. Yeah. Uh, the moon has to be basically like right in the line of fire. But now I'm trying to think of why it wouldn't just be every year. It seems like I'm just picturing these two disks that are out of whack and this disk circling uh, I mean, I'd like to think with pen and paper I could figure something out, but I don't know if I could, actually. I, I tell you something that people did figure out and yeah. noticed during the eclipse yes, uh, well, a couple of days ago was that some observers were blessed with the first known sighting of a meteorite impact on the oh. moon. A meteorite hit the moon. There was a little, a tiny flash that some people noticed. Hang on, I'm going to put this at the top of the article there. During so the eclipse, it happened? During the eclipse. Damn. Um, yeah, pretty cool, right? I guess that means that, oh, just because it, I was going to say, why don't we have more, our atmosphere would have burned it up probably if it was something headed for us that size, right? Yeah, and it's and it's easier to see when it's, um, so one Reddit user raised the possibility it was a meteorite impact and others scoured eclipse footage for evidence of the event. A flash is visible in at least three different videos. Jose Maria Madiedo at the University of Huelva in Spain confirmed the impact is genuine. For years, he and his colleague had been hoping to observe a meteorite impact meteorite impact on the moon during a lunar eclipse but the brightness of these events can make that very difficult lunar meteorite impacts have been filled before but not during an eclipse cool on this occasion madiedo uh, doubled the number of telescopes trained on different parts of the moon from four to eight in the hope of seeing an impact he had a feeling this time it would happen after the eclipse Great science i know had a hunch <laughs> I, had a, I had a i had a gut his his boss the chief was like no it's not gonna be there's not gonna be meteorite <laughs> Watch Give for the your... arrow here. Bloop. There it is. Wow. See a little fuzzy blip on the uh, upper left hand. I watched it. The... Hand in your telescope and your badge. <laughs> you need to let this meteorite thing go. <laughs> He's like, it's, it's going to happen, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's a hunch. <laughs> and he was right. After the eclipse, software <laughs> automatically pinpointed a flash in imagery recorded by several of his telescopes. This helps to confirm that the flashes seen by live stream watchers were not just optical anomalies on camera sensors. I was really happy when this happened. He noticed the flash was quite bright and it struck the moon in a moment when the eclipse was not overly <laughs> luminous itself, perhaps making it easier to detect. This is his last chance. <laughs> he thinks it probably weighs about two kilos. <laughs> you know, like his final. He's retiring in two days. No, it's just like his boss was like, "Listen, if you don't, we'll do it this time. We'll give you the seven cameras, but we're giving it. up on this dream. Taking too many chances on you, Murdoch. <laughs> yeah, Mateo or whatever. If you're wrong about this, you're back on traffic astronomy tomorrow. <laughs> Handed your astronomer badge. Yeah. Yes. Desk work for you. Um, it was pro- 
they they haven't yet formally calculated an estimate for the size, but they think it was probably around two kilos and roughly the size of a football. Wow. The, the combination of a darkened surface and a lot of people watching it made it much more likely the flash of the impact was seen. And it reminds us that the solar system is still a very dynamic pace, place, says Robert Massey at the Royal Astro- Astronomical Society. I mean, when you think about how we've managed to dodge an asteroid for this long... <laughs> Well, we got, we got the atmosphere on our side. Like something that size, I'm sure would have burned. Well, not up. that size, but just with all the shit flying around out there. Yeah, yeah, things that size hit the Earth all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't. It's, no, I'm not saying like a football size. I mean like yeah. a, a you know life extincting asteroid. I think the advantage is space is huge and we're pretty tiny. Yeah. yeah. We're actually a very small target, even though totally. there's so much stuff flying through space all the time. It we're just a seems tiny like there's target. so much stuff. Yeah. There is, but also that stuff's relatively small, and there's just so much yeah. space. And we've got people working on... <laughs> it's literally of, called Space Bridget, yeah. you idiot. <laughs> people are working on sort of uh, Armageddon-y scenarios where we would have to like redirect the path of some giant object heading towards us. I wonder like, if that would unite everyone finally like yeah. out of their Twitter wars. Oh, God, no. It would be everyone, everyone for himself. And also, Scrambling. half the internet would be denying it and saying it was a hoax to like a, like, a portion of like government money. Asteroid truthers? Yeah. Oh, complete. You don't think there'd be asteroid truthers? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm yeah. gonna be an asteroid truther. A hundred percent. This is just taking money away from. <laughs> I don't want my tax money being wasted on this. <laughs> Scientist, lighting scientist pockets. George Soros says there's an asteroid coming. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, hey, you know who hasn't wasted their money? Uh, kind donors who've kind gone donors. to probablyscience.com and clicked the donation button. That's Thank true. you very much this week to Destruction Lane, David Worth, Peter Long, Sean Gordon, Patrick Adam Chalkley, Bryson Rose, David Gillan, Oliver Force, Becky Grady. Uh, thank you very much, Jeffrey Gelback, and thank you very much, Charles Tyler and Karen Meburn, Zvonimir Kroons, that was very cool of you, uh, Lindsay Bacon, Trevor Hubbard, Mark Williams, John Clarici, Robert Condon, Oren Harris, and a really nice one-off donation from Richard Moore. Oh, so, nice thank you, guys. nice, kind people supporting the very kind mockery of, of science. The other, way you can, <laughs> the other way you can support us is, of course, by, go, is by spreading the word and telling lots of people about us and writing nice things about us on iTunes and telling anyone you know in Australia to go and see us on tour in the first two weeks of February because it is definitely happening now. Yeah. I want to go. I'm so jealous. You can. There are cheap flights. I'll totally tag along. Do you make n- your way? I got nothing to do. <laughs> I can't wait to see. I what bet we've you've got, got followers. You've got fans in oh, Australia. Oh, Australia gets me. Yeah, for sure. You also show up on a lot of podcasts, and Australia likes their podcasts. I love Australia. Well, they're my favorite. What do you think? Then you need about... to get there and do some stand up and do some. Oh yeah, up. they're the best. What do you think it is about Australia that makes podcasting the medium? Is it tons of driving? I don't know. I think the there's a lot of driving. Outlet. I think. Uh, it's still a radio culture. Like radio is still just even regular radio is still really popular there mm-hmm. more than it is in America or the UK. So I think they just it's a My society a that's good huge at huge cricket famous cricket announcer there. Okay, yeah, that's I mean that that's probably someone who's very well known in Australia then yeah. because they a like their sports a lot and cricket particularly. And I do think there's a lot of sports radio there. So there's they- a lot of sports radio, a lot of talk radio. Many, many of my comedian friends, the ones who've got big in Australia, have done it through radio, including Will Anderson, I love good friend Will. of the show, who's the reason we have an Australian following oh, for the most part. I did his podcast. He's great. Yeah, I love and, him. And he 
you know, he now is known from for TV and being a touring stand-up as well, who does theater shows. But he made his, he made his mark. He on definitely it. made his name on the radio, as do it did a lot of comedians. Yeah. I yeah, just so love Australia so, so much. So yeah, I think it's a. I don't know if there are other reasons Australians let us know, but I think it's also just a group of people who are who like the audio medium. Yeah. They're I've, just great. I've been trying to immerse myself. I just finished watching a dating show set in Australia where they pair exes back up with their exes to try to make it work again. Is this preparing yourself for the possibility of dating Australians I, over the next I two might weeks? Have an Australian I ex want an Australian we'll... husband. <laughs> All right. Uh, you heard it here first. What is it? Bridget Fantasy is like on the market. The... All would be a dangerous thing you have to kill. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. What I think it? most Australians would tell you that most of the dangerous things you shouldn't kill. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, speaking of which, I can't wait to visit. So uh, our listener, Michael Smout, is a, a researcher up at James Cook University. He, and he's largely the reason we're going to Australia because exactly. he was he put all the work in to find us a grant that yeah. would get us out there. And he's got a shelf of death he's going to show us, which I'm very excited What's to see. What's a shelf of death? So he works with venomous insects. Oh, wow. And and they have, in their lab, they have a shelf of just terrifying things. So it's shocking to me how biodiversity works in terms of everything in Australia is trying to kill you and New Zealand doesn't really have any of that. Hmm. I mean, I guess, well, it's so small and isolated. Like how It's would... so weird, though. They're pretty close, you would think. But, but Australia it... has just everything I'm assuming trying to kill you. I'm just doing armchair uh, um uh, planetary history what's the word for that geology um but i'm assuming that uh new zealand is a volcanic growth up from out of the ocean and wasn't like split off from australia or something right so probably a newer island than australia know. which i just always uh, found it fascinating yeah um by the way this ties in nicely with well first of all i was going to mention that uh there's always something terrifying happening with animals in australia i just saw an article always. about huge python found in an australian toilet that's nice and terrifying. Oh, I was at an ashram in Australia for like two weeks, and it was there's a massive python that used to just cruise through where we ate every single day at the same time. <laughs> yeah, huge. And the hunter spiders, you'd take your towel off oh, after getting oh, out of the shower, oh. and there would just be a hunter spider right there. And they're and hunter spiders aren't they're dangerous to dangerous. humans at all. They're just massive and looks no. And then there were these like fire ants that jumped, these jumping ants, oh, and you fuck. would be gardening, and the little Buddha guy was like, "Oh, it's just a reminder to stay present." But these things, like they, it is the I, worst, a hundred times worse than a bee sting, and it gets like fire in your blood. I Ugh. should say that I've been to australia a few times and mostly sticking to sydney melbourne and oh yeah we were in the cities. bush yeah and you you really don't encounter that stuff there oh, really? it was the amazing are... though the sounds at night just the, of the bush and like the the whir of the the jungle when it would start the sun would go down and like clockwork it was just like the frogs and the and the insects and oh i, I, I do want to if i'm if we do make it out to perth so when i was in adelaide i did a comedy show and then a podcast with ernie dingo who's australia's national treasure who's the uh ernie dingo. one of australia's national treasures also you'd know him from crocodile dundee 2 when are you guys going i'm not sure i saw crocodile dundee 2 but uh first two weeks of feb okay but um but he w i did a podcast with him and at the end of that he's like well if you want to come out camping in the bush I'm like holy shit yeah so I do want to try and take him up on that offer, if that's a possibility. Man, now I wish we were doing more than two weeks. It's really not enough time to see all the shit I want to see. No, it's not. I By was there for like a month. Oh, yeah? 
that's that's the right amount of time. Maybe I'll extend my trip. Oh no, we got to come back for. Uh, yeah, we haven't mentioned that. We're also going to be in Portland um, around the 16th of February, I believe. I got to get the exact date. Maybe it's the 17th. What are you we'll, doing in Portland? Uh, we're going to be podcast festival at the Listen Up Festival. There. Cool. And also Sketchfest is coming up. Oh yeah, we didn't mention this Saturday. We're going to be at Cafe du Nord at uh, is it 7:30? Maybe we should put that at the beginning of the episode. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I was also about to mention that speaking of creepy animals, this week's episode is brought to you by Creature Feature, an animal podcast from the How Stuff Works Network. Uh, I just listened to the episode last night that featured former Probably Science guest Eric Lampere, where they were doing the Worst at Sex Awards, and I learned about anglerfish and how when they mate, they fuse together and like melt and become this uh, human centipede-like uh, gross being. Uh, it's a very fun podcast. It's hosted by Katie Golden, a former writer at Crack.com who studied evolutionary biology and writes as a bird on Twitter. And mm. every episode, she takes her guests through some downright freaky evolutionary oddities. Listeners are taken through an expedition, uh, on an expedition through the bizarre world of animal and human behaviors and asked to shrink down and get inside the minds of animals and ask things like, what would it, like to be, what would it be like to be the brainwashed victim of a parasitic wasp or a penguin who turns to a life of crime? What will the fate of a mouse who fell in love with a cat be and the human who fell in love with his car? You guys have fallen in love with cars, right? I did. It's a long story. <laughs> it cost me a lot of money. Unceremoniously <laughs> car dumped. Uh, every Wednesday, Katie introduces her listeners to a cast of freaky creatures telling tales of terror, love, trickery, predation, and death-defying stunts. You can check out Creature Feature on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you happen to find your podcasts. Go, go to listen. Do it. Do it. But yes, this weekend we're also going to be at Sketchfest. You can go to sfsketchfest.com for tickets. And uh, should we... I guess, yeah, we're already publicizing who one of our guests is going to be. Uh, Dr. Judy Melanick, author of Working Stiff and one of the people who started the... Is it hashtag stay in your lane? Or we it was are, the, this is my lane. This is my lane. The response from the medical community to the NRA telling doctors to stop telling them what to do with their guns. And doctors being like, no, actually... Uh, a lot of us are in the... She specifically does <laughs> autopsies for a living. And she's like, I see gun deaths every day. And this is what a gun... This is what guns do. And this is specifically what high-powered guns do compared to lower-powered guns. Yeah. So, uh, among other things, and she also wrote Working Stiff, which is a very fun book that I am halfway through and will finish by this weekend. Um, I'm just confirming that we are, in fact... We are performing at Cafe du Nord in San Francisco at 8 o'clock on the 26th. So, yeah, SF Sketchfest dot com for the info and we'll also have a direct link to the show on the show notes do we have time for one last story yeah yeah before we wrap it up i love this podcast well thank you for doing it i'm gonna tell everyone about it thank you do you have a fun one um let's see do you want to talk about as long as we're tidying up back into space oh Oh. tidying up let's get into tidying up for a second because i do like to rant about marie Kondo. (laughs) did i already do that last week you didn't oh oh i didn't okay i want to hear this rant well i just like i I was just like live does everyone know what tidying up is are we assuming that our audience that your audience that's gone viral there's a there's a and marie Kondo, delightful little pixie lady who will tell you to hold your uh um antique salt shaker and see if it sparks joy and if not well, this, throw this it was, out the window this was a, a book or a couple yeah, of books she, that she published and yeah. now there's a Netflix series yep and the Netflix series has gone viral I think is uh in Brian Cook's words it is low stakes it is zero stakes hoarders <laughs> it's like hoarders for people who like yeah, get a little bit of stuff not that much stuff and then some of them have a lot of stuff have you watched yeah it? I've watched like three episodes what's shocking to me is like what hoarders Americans are 
It's insane. And my brother's a fireman and he will confirm this. He's like, Americans, they'll uh, have floods and stuff. He's like, Bridget, you would not even imagine how much junk and crap people have everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I'm embarrassed that I live alone and have this much stuff. But like, I also don't care about doing a little prayer to the floor before I go and throw things away. I can just throw things away if I want to throw things away. <laughs> You've seen the show then, right? Of course. She like... Sank. I'm a hippie though so I kind of don't I, that that part bothers me the least although my brother did say because my family has like a group text about this lady now yeah. I did I just was like you guys are binging tidying up I didn't realize my whole family was Let's as well and my brother's like if my he's from, we're from New England he's like if I go if I come home and my wife's on the floor praying <laughs> and like doing a prayer for the house I'm calling 911 and then he's like but my closets are wicked clean <laughs> that's, that's the thing is everyone who's commented when I've made fun of it online they're like yeah it's so dumb also after we finished we spent five hours and threw everything away I was like I guess whatever gets the job done but like I, and her methods for I, I will say as someone whose partner did like had the book a while back oh okay. like it does her methods for rolling up shirts and t-shirts and various other clothes and putting them away in the drawer does work. My brother's convinced she's a robot. Oh, yeah. She, <laughs> he thinks she's really high, highly advanced Japanese AI. She's basically Vicky from Small Wonder. <laughs> he was like, he's like, I was watching the episode where the woman was getting rid of all this stuff, like, from her dead husband. He's like, I'm wetting my shirt. This is like a guy who does, like, deep sea fishing and he's like I'm soaking my shirt through with tears and at the end of it she's in her minivan and she's like I almost cried <laughs> he's like definitely a robot yeah it's it's bonkers she's constantly delighted she jumps from room to room she literally jumped down two steps into someone's garage that's part of the intro sequence um, but I think when the first when the first couple I think it was the f- first episode oh, with the, the babe couple, with the boobies Babe, 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 babe. The the woman who's like, cold sores keep jumping around towards the end of the episode. I'm like, they got a makeup person. Can't you take care of her? She was so stressed. You could see these cold sores. I was like, uh, she was the one with like the boobies. Like she's like, oh, the baby wants the boobies because the baby kept being like, boobies, mom, boobies. And he was like, babe, get out the boobies. Babe. babe. (laughs) Babe. I haven't seen any of these episodes. Oh, God, you're missing out. There was an article that you linked us to, Bridget, that was from a psychologist or interviewing a psychologist. Oh, no, it was, a, it was written by a psychologist, Chris Diff, who's a lecturer in psychology at Keele University, who talks about it. I'm going to jump through the intro bit. So Yeah, does it actually spark joy? It says, can, can simply tidying up be that life-changing? I've been following the KonMari method as part of my getting organized for New Year's resolution, New Year's resolution and after two weeks, I still have a clean office and my T-shirt drawer has never been more tidy. What's more, I felt hugely invigorated by the tidiest space I've created. As a psychologist, I know that scientific research suggests that the effects of tidying may not just be a fad, but without careful consideration, there's also a chance it could end up making you feel worse. (laughs) Why? The KonMari method prescribes not just simple tidiness, which removes objects from sight, but the paring down and organizing belongings so that you have precisely what you need where you need it. There are several basic concepts from the method. First, tidy everywhere, the entire house all at once, rather than tidying a small bit at a time. Secondary, second, tidy by category, for example, clothes or books, not by location. Third, bring every item in a category together and discard what you don't want by, before putting everything else away. Fourth, and perhaps most importantly, only keep objects that, quote, spark joy in you when you handle them. Which One, I've heard people say is uh, problematic and racist because they mock her for saying throw away some books. Like, books shouldn't spark joy. They should challenge you. And they're like, well, the exact translation of the word she's saying isn't joy. It is uh, 
a complex feeling of emotion, whatever. Okay, but uh, yeah, I yeah, saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes on. One of the obvious advantages to a tidy house is that being able to easily locate things will cause you less stress. But there's actually evidence that clean, organized environments improve our ability to think. For example, a study of 80 people at the University of Navarra found that participants made more mistakes when undertaking a data inputting task in a messy environment than a tidy one. Successfully accomplishing a task such as decluttering a house also has enormous effect on your self-efficacy. This is our sense that we are competent, autonomous people who can learn, grow, and succeed. Self-efficacy gives a huge boost to our overall well-being, and psychologists have shown that it can have an influence in a wide range of areas. For example, increasing self-efficacy in students have been shown to improve academic achievements. It has even been used to reduce symptoms of PTSD in trauma victims. I guess that I guess that's similar to... All those how to get stuff done books advise on breaking up any task into smaller tasks so you get the feeling of accomplishment bit by bit. Yeah. So when I was in rehab, one of the things that stuck with me, not to just like loosely throw that in there, but back at when I was 19, one of the things that stuck out forever was they always used to say cluttered room, cluttered mind. And uh-huh. I love that because when I do go, I, I do sense... Uh, when you go into a space that's open, it feels and not cluttered. It feels like it easier to think clearly. Yeah. And I, I like you know the people who hide all the, the clutter and like all the closets and and drawers and whatnot, so it looks. But yeah. there's like the hidden clutter. Uh huh. So that was one of the episodes that they tackled. Uh, kind of. It for me, it was is, more interesting. Wait, isn't that okay? She doesn't say it's okay to have stuff behind a door. It's okay, but it's still clutter and it's not organized. So her whole thing is like you have to be able to see everything in. If you're if you're storing things, you should be able to store them in plastic in the garage. Generally, stay away from plastic and be able to see everything so that you can access it and that you don't buy more of things you already have. Right, yeah. So it says another advantage of the KonMari method is it includes detailed instructions that still provides a fair amount of latitude for how to interpret it. The sense of joy that possessions should give you is not strictly defined and individuals can choose how this feels to them. This may help to enhance the sense of accomplishment that one feels when finished. Research suggests that indirect hints for finishing a task lead to a more positive experience than directly telling someone how to do something. Mm, I did notice that she did that. But it might not all be good news. The method is rigorous and requires commitment, time, and energy to complete to its fullest. Without her standing over you, it may be difficult to complete, and failing tasks is usually detrimental to our psychological (laughs) well-being. It took everyone 30 to 60 days. Right. To finish in the Jesus. in the show. Wow. Research shows if people give up on a task, they usually perform worse on subsequent jobs and engage in unhealthy self-blame. One of uh, It also says, one of the quirkier aspects of the KonMari method is the idea of thanking your possessions for their service, especially before <laughs> you discard them. But research suggests viewing inanimate objects as alive may make us treat them more sentimentally, which could reduce our desire to get rid of them, running culture counter to the idea of decluttering. Oh, take that, Marie. Well, my that, sister does this for a living. She she goes. What's her method? Um, it's very different. She's she was saying in the group family text that is hilarious that people that she's never been busier because everyone wants this. But she's like, you know, Marie will say, oh, if you if those jeans that you're hanging on to don't fit. <sighs> 
um, because you want to get down to your goal weight and they spark joy that you should keep them. And her theory and my sister's like, no, get rid of all the clothes that don't fit from your goal weight because psychologically it's damaging to you to have them. And then if you lose weight and then if you do lose the weight, you're going to want to buy new clothes anyway or whatever. So her whole thing is like, if it doesn't fit and you're hanging on to it because you want to fit into it, it's bad for you, which is like counter to that gives me joy and maybe someday I'll fit into it again. Yeah, yeah. And she's very much just like hardcore. But it is really, uh, you know, talking to her about, I would love to interview her just about the um, the emotional journey she takes people through. And that was the more interesting thing for me to watch in the show yeah. was what happened to the couples as they went through this process together and how it is like the stuff we have is so connected to us psychologically it there is that component that you can't yeah like that hawaiian couple yeah the guy, the guy was so checked out he's like whatever my wife says and by the end i think he was kind of maybe he was just doing it for the cameras but they seemed to be a little bit of a happier couple all the couples seemed you know i think it causes a lot of fights yeah. he's like the environment when you cohabitate two pe- when you get two people together and over t- in the beginning you're on your best behavior but over time those bad habits you get from even your own childhood creep in and they often come in direct conflict or like the lesbian couple where they had all their stuff in the they had all their stuff in the closet and they didn't have their own space and you could tell one of the women just like wanted her own space and it caused all of these problems that they had these shared belts and share and so now she had them separate it and it created this space that they seemed happier at the end it was cool. Like for, I was more interested in the people, the people. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm surprised the show's a hit, but it does make sense. And that I binge watched it when I was, you depressed. watched the entire thing. Yeah. One day wow. it made yeah. me feel better. Did you, did you then do you do? This no, stuff? it gave me anxiety at the oh, same yeah. time. It I was like, think, I need like, to do this. I just think about like my stuff is mostly papers as you can see. And I'm they just had like, a whole oh, one on paperwork. I gotta do uh, today. I'm gonna do it. Today's gonna be the day. I don't want to come to Australia with that looming over my head. I gotta get these papers sorted. Once yeah. you do it, it's so easy to. And yeah. whenever I do my paperwork, I'm like, that took like two hours. I know. What is my problem? <laughs> Take an Adderall. Get two two hours of work done. I'm not gonna pray to the. I do wonder if it's gonna pray. be like a rash of like. Uh, Does this invoice spark joy? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so like diabetic dies because they decided insulin doesn't spark joy. Not all stuff has to spark joy. You should keep some things because they're just fucking necessary. You need them. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I thought the first couple, their like willingness to go along with the praying to the house thing was hilarious. I'm like, this just feels a little bit like everyone's like, oh, she must be magic because she's just, it felt kind of condescending because that wasn't any religion she's doing. It was just her praying to the house. Everyone's like, I guess this is what we do. Cause well, magic it's weird because she doesn't does do it. it with every couple. Oh, really? And they kind of explain it later in the show. So she doesn't make, I, I thought that was interesting that one, she made, she had them join in, she had them partake. And then like two episodes later, she's like, let me do this. And she did it on her own. And then they just watched her. <laughs> and then she, and then the woman, the interpreter, they must've figured out that they needed to address why she didn't do it for continuity. And so the interpreter later says, you know, oh, she it's different for every house and what every house the like energy needs she gets or from something it. like that. I mean, that's right. just woo stuff gets to me, but whatever. I love the woo. <laughs> I want to do a whole show and um, a podcast called The Woo Review. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. If you guys want to get in on it, it would be great. And I, mean, I want to get one 
person you know like we choose like oh, what it's tarot and then we go out and either get tarot readings from like five people uh, because have you guys ever read yelp reviews of these people no. they're the most amazing things on i have a whole stand-up routine about it it is the most like when the psychic yelp reviews are the Holy funniest shit. things I've you'll ever oh, ever read in your entire life and it's always like I went and then he couldn't even remember my name after four times. Shouldn't you know my name? <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. So Karen Rontowski and Kira Soltanovich had a podcast. I think they still do where they do a tarot card reading for ah. guests. And I was like, sign me up. That sounds great. I'm like, I am it. absolutely a skeptic, but I love again. It sets firstly, that kind of thing sets off my SMR. And secondly, I, you know, I, I love, you know, I, it's the same as a conspiracy theory. I believe stuff. it like, to be nonsense, I, but I will. I love someone earnestly telling me nonsense. So I see it as more just a spotlight on what you're thinking about. Right. So if if somebody does a tarot reading or they pull a card, I just notice of the first thing that I think of because whatever that association is is the direction that my thoughts are headed. Yeah. Or whatever's taking up space in my brain. So I don't see it as like magic and prediction. It's more just an opportunity to show to reveal to me that the things that are are priorities. Yeah. So that's how I look at it. Uh-huh. Whatever gets the job done. <laughs> you guys, you're like, no. you do I totally charged my crystals in the moon the other night. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you really did? Or definitely, you did. I love it. I fucking love it. I thought I dropped that bomb right at the end. <laughs> That's great. No, no. I mean, for all we know, that do- no, it doesn't do anything. But if it makes you feel better, yeah, I that's the Marie Kondo it. prayer you did. That's fine. No, I just, I love, love that Wait, stuff. I, I love it. Does that mean that, do the, do the crystals have to be un- indirect moon? I don't know. I just did it. How did you charge them? I put them under the moon. Oh, the outside. You took them outside yeah, yeah. and held them in your hand. How long can you just feel when they're fully charged? I, this How is when, like, <laughs> I feel like I, it's important that I lose all credibility. I'm <laughs> right at the end. I'm not the making end. fun. I want to know how long you have to hold. So I got my roommate this book track. for her birthday, and it was all about. It was by this like Shiva something or other lady, and it's all about um, self care for goddesses, and it has all that stuff that's like been debunked by science, like the yoni egg in your vagina. Did you? I hope you guys covered that. I thought that, that story. was about just vaginal muscles. Is that about? It's supposed to be more than that. I thought there was just. Well, well, like do, do, all the doc, like OBGYNs are like, don't put that yeah. in your vagina. Well, we it has hope, bacteria in we're it. We're hopefully getting uh, Jen Gunter on the show soon. And she's the... Oh. She's she is the, the, yeah, she's, she's the, the OBGYN who writes in the New York Times and various other things who went to the Goop conference oh, and sweet. writes all the stuff about how she has a yeah yeah she's she's um and she's basically like yeah don't put it don't so don't, don't put do it that, up there yeah. there's no version of that there's no like scientific actual... reason why you should do that I forget where it comes I would like to know where the original it's idea the came egg from and stuff. Yeah. yeah and so there's that and then if I had a whole clean. thing on charging your your like crystals in the moon. <laughs> Now, have you does it piss- I was on an oh. ashram in Australia. Yeah, you like, clearly, I come from the yogi community. I've been indoctrinated with this stuff. Wait, yoga's just because you do yoga doesn't mean you have to believe in crystals. No, right? no, but it's like you become. And I worked on farms up north. Like you, you don't understand how indoctrinated you become in all of the woo yeah. when you're in these communities. It is like that. That is their their you if. It is their science. <laughs> and of all the dogmas to be mad about, I mean, I can't think of a lot of damage that's been done to 
the world because someone yeah. believed crystals were. Although I, ha- I hate know, how crystals like, keep bringing out new charges, so you have to buy the different. Oh yeah, the adapters. <laughs> like, I got this yeah, like now USB I need a lunar eclipse. What the yeah. f? It used to just be like a full moon, and now it needs to be like a blood supermoon. <laughs> We should bring. We should make sure to bring portable battery packs because the flight to Australia is long, and by the time you get to the end, no, get your, one of my crystals. Get, <laughs> like I hate it after a fifteen-hour flight. Your crystals are like two percent. You're like, fuck. I. I should plug what? What? I should plug my podcast um, sponsor away. The bags that have chargers in them. Do they actually sponsor your podcast? Yeah. Can I get one? I want one of those bags. You away get a bags? discount. Yeah, they're great. They're the best. I swear this is the greatest carry-on, and it's not just because they sponsor me. It's the greatest carry-on bag I've ever had. Are they up to date with the latest sizes? Because that's a fucking thing the TSA keeps, or different yeah, airlines yeah. keep doing. Like, yep. oh, now my roller bag doesn't fucking fit through Spirit's new bullshit. <laughs> Spirit? Who's flying Spirit? I mean, I did for Christmas. <laughs> I waited too long to buy the ticket. Come it on was, now. <laughs> I, know, I know better. I know better. Uh, Bridget, where can our listeners find you and your multiple podcasts and online things? Um, at Bridget Fetasy, B-R-I-D-G-E-T-P-H-E-T-A-S-Y on Twitter. Um, that's where I live primarily. And then I have a Facebook page and Instagram. And I guess I'm going to be moving into video this year, too. And my podcast is called Walk-Ins Welcome. And it's a, a podcast about grit and overcoming adversity. And I interview just pretty much anyone and everyone because everyone has that story. Does everyone have to wrap up with a nice Christopher Walken impression? <laughs> I should make them do that. <laughs> Instead, I make them I, re- I make them wrap up and tell me what their greatest defect of character is and their greatest asset. That's always the last uh, two questions. What is your greatest defect and asset? Oh, that's a good one. Biggest defect of character? I, that manifests in so many ways, but I think pride. It, and it manifests in all kinds of ways. Um, even like weird offshoots like procrastination and bad time management and self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're all kind of weirdly connected, but... Um, I don't know. I, I I have a lot of defects of character, but uh, I think asset is resilient. Just resiliency, the ability to f- change and be flexible. And I've definitely followed one, many paths um, in the pursuit of my dreams, and kind of done whatever it took. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time, like okay, that didn't work, so I'm gonna go leave LA and go work or I'm going to buy a one-way ticket and travel around the world for two years and just kind of do whatever and and put myself in situations where I was forced to be resilient and so um challenging myself to just go with the flow yeah. uh yeah nice check out welcome Solid answer. Uh, you can find us at uh, probably science and then individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen mm-hmm. go to probablyscience.com for the links to the stories we covered and also the survey if you want to come and see us in Australia that will really help us out loads of you already filled it out but just so we get everyone a really good idea of how many people might come to each town and whether we can manage to make it work to go there it looks like like we said definitely Cairns Brisbane Sydney Melbourne maybe Perth maybe Adelaide mm-hmm uh but yeah uh let us know about those and uh any questions comments clarifications probably science gmail.com you can tweet us at probably science you can find us facebook slash probably science and we will be at sketchfest this coming weekend so come and see us 
we'll see you there. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Bridget. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you.